how do we become a community that truly gives people the greatest opportunity to know the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord? And what I love about the plant is that when you look around, we probably think about, ooh, these are all really spiritual people. The fact of the matter is, is that when we started this church, we had 28 people. We went down to 16 people because they all thought we were crazy, not knowing what we were doing. And God started to do something amazing. And when I look around the room, over 70% of the people that call the plant their home church are people who have never stepped foot in the church in the last 10 to 20 years. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to rejuvenate His people that they would know Him in such a personal and intimate way. And we know right now in the history of this country and in the Western Hemisphere is that church is actually slowly, slowly dying. Anyone ever feel that way? I mean, think about it. How much is God a priority in our life? How much do we truly value the direction of the creator of the universe? And what we had talked about last week was, we had talked about last week, our vision to be a local, regional, and global church. We had talked about how we love the community in Mawa and how we love the surrounding towns. We probably have about eight different towns that, are, that incorporate the plant church. And in many of those towns, we have, we have groups, small groups called missional communities that are truly not just gathering for Bible study and kind of hiding out from, from the spooky little world, but rather we are equipping people to know their community, to love their community, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And that's very different because most people don't see church as that. They see it as a place that you go and you leave and, and someone gives an inspiring sermon and then, and then all of a sudden you pick up and you kind of let life go on. But when we see Scripture, that's not what we see. We see that our faith is integrated in everything we do. It's the way that we love our spouses. It's the way that we love our children. It's the way that we love our neighbor. It's the way that we handle ourselves in our vocational places of work. It's the way that we just function throughout the day. And there's many reasons and many excuses why we can say, well, you know, I can point the finger at this that causes me to no longer love God or even hate the church. But what we've been doing is we've been talking about what is God calling us to do? Who is God calling us to be as a church community? And so last week I had shared, as I had said, about our calling to be a local and regional and global church. And, and our, main, our main focus is right here, right in our hometowns, but also regionally because God has allowed us to be able to have influence in other churches that are saying, hey, you guys, are, you guys have kind of clicked into something special and we want to learn to do the same thing. And so right now, Omar and I mentor about 13 churches total. And then we also have a global. How are we going to reach the world that is dying? And so we had talked about what we are going to be doing moving forward globally. But I had also shared how I was at our, our national council for our denomination. And I had shared a video clip, and the first person that uh, popped up was the president of our denomination. We're a denomination of over 500,000 people across the world. We have over 13,609 different churches or ministry that function through the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's an amazing thing that's going on globally, but, but still, still too often, we function in the wrong manners. And the one thing that I want to talk about this morning is what, 
Reverend Stumbo had said that the church is called to be. And he stood up there and he said, I'm going to give you the vision of what God has called us to over the next several years of my term. This is what God has called the church to be. And here is the vision. And so everyone's on the edge of their seat. Okay, so what's the new program? What's the new way about going about things? What's the new church model? And he said, you think that I'm going to stand up here and tell you let's go conquer the hill and let's go take the cities by storm. And he said, no. He said, our vision is to love. Is to love. And all of a sudden, I've been kind of fed up with all the all the church manipulations and all the programs and, and strategic plannings. And, and I was sitting there, and hopefully the stage doesn't fall. And I was sitting there like, here we go again. Here's another guy. And he says, and let me tell you my vision. The vision that we are called to in Scripture is love. And all of a sudden, I just leaned in for what he had to say. And I truly believe that if the church came back to the foundation of who it is, we would see a radical change in every single heart in this room. A radical change in every home in our towns. A radical change in our communities. A radical change how we view others and how we view the world and how we view politics and how we view everything. Because this is it. We have one call. And that is to love as Christ has loved us. Amen? Now listen, we're at the plant. You don't have to be quiet because it's a baby dedication. If I say something you like, you can say amen. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to share five reasons why we are called to love. Five reasons. I'm not looking to give a, a sermon that is so eloquent or so crafted. Because think about this for a moment. Where has that gotten the Church of America today? Dying. And so I want to give you five reasons why we are called to love. The first is this. It's biblical. Do you know in the very beginning of Scripture to the very end of Scripture, it's all centered on God as Creator and His love for creation? Think about John 3.16. For God so what? Loves the world that He sent His only Son. For God so loves the world. Let me, let me read you a passage of Scripture. But, any, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is what? Say it with me. Love. How many of you truly believe, bless you, how many of you truly believe that God is love? Do we truly understand that the Creator of the universe is encompassed with love? Do we truly understand that when even the world 
defines what love is, they flip the pages of Scripture and go to 1 Corinthians 13 and say, this is what love is. Love is patient, kind, not jealous, not boastful, not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrong. Think about what the, what the authors of, of Scripture and what Jesus had said, the superlatives. For the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest commandment. The most excellent way is what? Love. They will know My disciples by their what? Love. You guys are really tired this morning. I need to just like take like a Gatorade bottle and just start spraying you. But think about this. God begins all things through Him in love that when He saw a broken and messed up world that in His love, He did not condemn us, but rather in His love, He sent His Son Himself to reveal Himself to the world around us. And He says this, if you know Me, you love Me. And if you love Me, you follow My two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is this, what? Love your neighbors as yourself. Do you even know your neighbor? Do you even know your neighbor? When was the last time, and I'm not being judgmental. It is so easy to do this. When was the last time that you were driving down the road and you saw your neighbor walking the dog and you're like, oh, them again. I hope the dog doesn't go to the bathroom on my lawn. Right? When was the last time you just pulled over and said, you just freaked him out? Hey, I've lived next to you for 35 years. What's your name? Do you want to come over for coffee and scrumpets? Do you? But think about that. The first call that we are to do is to look biblically. The call of love is the standard of God. And it's not just the standard of God pie in the sky. It is the standard of Jesus Christ. He says, if you love me, you'll what? Obey me. What does that mean? Get everything right and wrong. All the things that I need to live a perfect little life that, that I never mess up and I kind of live in this place of fear that God is going to squash me. No. We learn to walk as Jesus walked. We learn to love as Jesus loves. We learn to be as Jesus was. Present in the lives of others. Imagine that. Imagine if the church began with looking at the Scripture and stopped looking for strategies and models and said, what are you calling us to do? And all we could see is that it says over 333 times in Scripture that we are to love. How many times that comes up? Actually, some say it comes up 365 times. It's, it matters how you translate Hebrew and Greek. Imagine if it's true that the Bible says love, that we are to love 365 times. How many days in a year? 
It's pretty impressive. Talk about an amazing, calculated God who's not some pie in the sky. Second, any church that is not a loving church is not a church Christ intends. Let's read that together, okay? Any church that is not a loving church is not a church Christ intends. Listen to this. John chapter 15, verse 12. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. You ever read the Gospel stories? You ever read about all the knuckleheads that followed Jesus and failed Him and did stupid things and, and kind of wandered away? And he, it seemed like all the people that were following Him were the motley crew. He says, love others as I have loved you. You see, the problem is this, is that we think that we're called to be nice. That we're a happy church. We're a friendly church. We're supposed to be present for all things, like the wiggles. La, 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 la. Do you know how many people have gone into churches like that? And they've walked in and said, what a bunch of fake individuals. Think about this week. I know three people who passed away. Matt and Jess from church lost a friend. Hey, it's going to be perfect. Life's okay. Pucker up there, chump. Sometimes loving is sitting down. Sometimes loving is shedding a tear. Sometimes loving is being honest. I'll never forget the most loving time in my life is when I first became a follower of Jesus and, and my life was kind of off kilter. And my roommate in college was just kind of, kind of gave me the cold shoulder. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? He's like, man, I'm, I'm scared for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I see you heading down that same road you were walking on. And I'm concerned. I'm like, yeah, that's real loving, jerk. Thanks for being so present for me. He's like, Rob, I love you. Do you know that was one of the first times that I ever felt loved by a friend? Because every other friend in my life wanted me to follow this distant, dangerous road that I could kind of soak in their, in their misery with. I remember one time I had to take my brother out to dinner. He was dating a psychotic girl. Anyone ever date one of them? Okay. <laughs> Raise your hands. There you go. Thank you. And I remember that he was on the verge of asking, asking her to marry him. And I told Sue, I said, I'm either going to come home with a black eye or I may not come home at all. And I took my brother out because of what my friend did for me. And we had this amazing meal together and I made sure that I paid a lot of money for a really good dinner and I took him out and I said, I need to talk to you about so-and-so. I said, dude, if you continue in this relationship, your life is going to be a living nightmare. And he saw the love in my eyes. He said, you're right. Thank you for telling me something that no one else would say. You see, too often churches are, are, are on their high horses. They're too much into their programs. They're too much into what their agenda is. They're too much into what they're against. Right? We all want to be a church. We either want to be a church about what they're for or what they're against. And in this, there's this dangerous place that we all live a really fake 
way of life. And what Jesus had said is that you love the world as I have loved you. And a loving church is the only church that Christ intends. Do you realize we all have stuff? Anyone have stuff? Come on. Liars. A lot of people going to hell this morning. Raise your hand. You got stuff? We all have stuff. And if you don't raise your hand, you have a lot of stuff. But the fact of the matter is this. God loves our brokenness. Amen? God loves that when we humbly come to Him and say, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And when you fall in love with how Christ meets you, how can you not love others that way? How can you not see someone who's hurting or someone who's broken or someone who's making wrong decisions and not love them the way that Christ has loved you? Third, only a loving church will bring long-term positive change to the world. Only a loving church will bring long-term positive change to the world. Do you know what? It's not what we do, but it's the attitude of how we do it. Do you know what? It's not what we say, but it's the motives behind what we say. Do you know how we make ourselves present? Defines how people receive the way we truly, truly view them as individuals, as people, as God's children. Do we want to see long-term positive change? then it begins with love. I'm very thankful to have a father. I love, I love Father's Day. I actually love Father's Day. My, my father raised seven boys. And he not only raised seven boys, but he was actually one of those rock star businessmen in New York City. People who have, were in the, in the business world in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s truly know a man named Roger Parker. His uh, portfolio was about this thick when he used to have to go on job interviews and and I remember to watch how he handled people in the church, at his vocation, and the kids in his home. And when you looked at three areas of his life, they were seamless. Now at times, did seven boys drive him crazy to go, out, go a little out of control? Of course seven boys will. But I will say this, and Jimmy Malone can testify to this, right Jimmy? You'll never meet someone in a place of church leadership who loves people as Christ loves people. Imagine if every conversation that we had as a leadership team, as missional community leaders, as kids program, as the youth program that how are we truly going to show the love of Christ best? Both as a church family and to the community around us. 
But here's the problem. We have set up so many walls and barriers that we as a church are accused of animus hatred against others. Amen? Shame on us. As animosity increases, this is number four, against the church, our greatest response is love. We are accused of being haters of people. We are accused of how we look down on others. We are accused of a lot. And so if you are a certain form of Protestant Christianity, you are completely labeled as a hater. Now think with me. When you see Jesus and the circumstances and how He walked, who was God on the face of this earth, who were the only people He judged? Who? The religious leaders. Why? Because they were so pompous and arrogant that in that they were playing how they would want to view God. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is the woman at the well. She was looking to be reprimanded by Jesus. And what did He do? He spoke truth in love. He spoke truth in love. And do you know what her response was when she saw the love of God that was embodied in Jesus Christ? What did she do? That's what she wanted to follow. She didn't want to follow the temple leaders. She didn't want to follow the, the religious sects of that day, the three different groups. She wanted to follow Jesus because Jesus was the embodiment of God. I love when people come to me and say, hey, I'd love to talk with you, but my story might freak you out. And then I say, well, how about I talk to you and tell you my story because my story might freak you out. I was telling a buddy from church about uh, the day that I came to Christ. And uh, he was a pretty wild guy. And uh, he's like, man, you are worse than me. I'm like, no duh. So how do we do anything but love? I think the biggest problem with the church is not that we... We forget where we came from. Amen? We forget where we came from. I love when I sit down with people and they want a place in the church of leadership and they start, they seem like they're so perfect and they start telling me their story. I'm like, dude, you're really messed up. It's a good place to be. You're probably welcome now that you shared your real story rather than your falsivity of what you were living. Truth with grace that is smothered in love changes the direction of someone's life. I share this very freely. I came to Christ through going to a suicide attempt. 
And if it wasn't for people in my life that loved me, and there's only a couple at the time, that were graceful with me and were honest with me, I would not be here today. If I had some pompous, arrogant, young Christian guy come up to me and tell me everything wrong about me, I wouldn't be here. But by God's grace that was smothered in love, I was able to hear the words that I specifically needed to hear. One of the things I love about being a church planter, a church planter is someone who starts a church from the ground up, from zero to hopefully something, is um, you make yourself very vulnerable to people around you. And there have been times that I've had the privilege of leading people to Christ and, and I've been sharing them different things and then all of a sudden they'll say something that is like the voice of God that, that I've been so arrogant and prideful to kind of keep as one of my high horses and, and all of a sudden, boom, take me down and humble me to how I truly need to look at God and look at others. I remember one time we were making a pretty big decision as a church and, and I went out with someone and, and we were trying to really protect some individuals and just kind of make some things real sensitive for them. And, and this one person said, you know, it's, I really take offensively what you're doing and why you're doing it. My first words were, you're right. You're right. I repented. I went to the board. I repented to the board. The board repented. We said, how do we begin to love as we move forward? I felt like one of those moments was one of the most real our church ever, ever was. Let me give you the fifth. Only a loving church will, will be embraced by the rising generations. Only a loving church will be embraced by the loving generations. Notice that S at the end. Imagine, this is something that God gave me. We always think that we're supposed to make a disciple. Hey, my goal is if I'm a really good Christian, I'll bring some of the church and they'll start going to church and they'll follow Jesus. And I'm thinking like, that's messed up. I did my duty. My life's over with. I go back to work. It's over with. In Deuteronomy, it says that, that the people were cursed to the third and fourth generations for the sins of their fathers. Um, I see that oftentimes. I see that oftentimes when there's been a man who's had an affair that, that their kids and their grandkids kind of follow in this, this pattern of, uh, of just really bad choices. I'll sit down and I'll do counseling and spiritual counseling and, and deliverance and inner healing and, and all of a sudden they're like, I never was like this and all of a sudden I found myself in a trap. I, I've seen people with really bad financial situations, same things happen. I've seen people with, with how they parent their kids and it's almost like we kind of take our junk and we pour it onto our kids, Right? And our kids kind of do the very same habits. And so like when, when Mike and Debbie get really mad at Julia for being really hyper, and Mike's like, what are you doing? And Debbie goes, that's you. <laughs> and then when Julia's doing something just like Debbie, and Mike goes, she goes, what is she, why is she like this? That's you. Because God wants to redeem every single part of us. I said one time that God wants to redeem our personalities, and everyone laughed but one person. One person didn't like it. One person got mad at me. Why? Maybe God needed to redeem their personality. You can laugh. Ha 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 ha. But I ask God to redeem my personality all the time. My personality can be a certain way. God redeem my emotions. Redeem my emotions. God redeem my thought life. Redeem my thought life. 
God, redeem how I treat my wife. Redeem that. All these different things. I really believe what God wants to do next in our church is that we would become a church of disciples that model Jesus. That people are so attracted to them that they become disciples that model Jesus. And people are so attracted to them that they make disciples that follow Jesus because they're so attracted to them. And that they make disciples that follow Jesus because they're so attracted to them. How many generations was that? Four. Do you ever notice that every curse in Scripture God redeems? Every curse in Scripture God redeems. God wants to redeem all of us. He wants to redeem all of our relationships. He wants to redeem everything about us. And we need to be the kind of church that are passing that on. We need to be the kind of church they will own. We need to be the kind of church that they, are, that they want to be a part of. They want to be part of a kind of church that loves their neighbors as themselves. They want to be the kind of church that loves the world that is, that is dying both physically and spiritually. But they will never be that until we are the church like that. Amen? You guys need a Gatorade bath. Think with me. You and I waste way too much time on the wrong things. What would happen if we began to have a laser beam focus of life to love God and to love others as Christ has loved us. What would happen to your families? What would happen to your children? What would happen to the presence in your home? You know that presence when you walk into someone's house where you're just either so welcome or be like, eh, I don't want to ever come back again. What would happen? Let me tell you this. Now I'm going to get preachy. Love is not an option. Amen. Love is a what? A commandment. Love is the greatest of all commandments. And that love that is found in Christ Jesus is the foundation of what this church has to be built on. I don't care what other churches are built on, but I want us to be a model of Jesus Christ. Let me say it better. An embodiment of Jesus Christ. That when people see the plant, they say, well, that's what a, a Christian is supposed to be. That's it. And so here is what our command is. That we need to be the love of God that we have found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I just read something that, that I wrote? Love covers a multitude of sin. Love speaks truth when truth is hard to hear. Love is the oil to a ceased heart. Love tears down walls. And love heals. Do you love your neighbor? 
Do you love your zip code? Do you love the person next to you? Do you love the person different than you? Do you love the person that that may live a completely different way than you live? Do you love them? Do you love people as Christ has loved you? Do you love others as you know the true depravity of your heart? Do you love the most things that maybe you are most, not love those things, but love those people that may do things that you are totally against because God loves you and you at one time were against God yourself? I'll say this, and I say this humbly because I can say that I do a lot of things wrong. I want to love like Jesus. Because I know that I am an unlovable guy. And I know that I can be unlovable. And I know that when I look at my past, that my past was extremely unlovable. But think about what would happen if we truly loved as Jesus loved us. That's when lives are changed. That's when lives are transformed. And so as we come to the communion table, my question is, are you willing to love as Christ has loved you? Amen?